the rapture. Is it really in the Bible? Didn't some guy just make up the doctrine? The word isn't in the Bible? And if there is a rapture, when will it take place? These are the questions we're going to consider in today's podcast. Welcome to the Weekly Wholesome Words Podcast, where we examine the sound doctrine in God's Word for the specific purpose to know Christ and His things, gain the renewing of our mind that we might prove what is His good, acceptable, and perfect will in our lives, that all things would work together for His purpose. I'm Josh Strzelecki, pastor and teacher of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join me in this episode as we look at the issue of the rapture. We are continuing a multi-episode series on the rapture, our resurrection. This is part two of that uh, mini-series, mini-multi-part episode. And I don't want to rush through this. I want to look at these things kind of per episode. And in part one, we kind of laid the groundwork concerning the rapture and made note of uh, certain things and and looking at it from a a dispensational viewpoint. And I want to explore some of those things a little bit more, uh, but really focus on a particular issue and how it relates to uh, the rapture. And that's the issue that today God is not imputing the world's trespasses against them. The start of the dispensation of the grace of God is the same way in which it will conclude. In other words, if God is not imputing the world's trespasses against the world, then that is how this dispensation of grace is going to end. Now, of course, as it ends, God will begin to impute the trespasses of the world against the world. But what we're going to find out is that in view of benefiting from the reconciling of the world by being reconciled unto God individually, then we benefit from escaping and being delivered from the wrath to come. The very day of God's imputation of the world's trespasses against them. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? And again, the role and relationship of the rapture, our resurrection to all of that. I want to start by going to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. What we dealt with a little bit last time was looking at Paul's unique apostleship and an aerial view of what God was doing in time past, but now in the ages to come. And and an overview of those kind of things. And so some of this is repeat. But it's going to take a particular focus on a characteristic, a a judgment of God. 
as it concerns his relationship to the world at large. And then we'll narrow it down even further to a more uh, focused understanding of his relationship with those that have trusted in him. Okay, So Romans chapter 5, we are reading in Paul's epistles, and as we covered last time in our overview of time past but now ages to come, we, we noted, as we've done in many episodes before, Paul's unique and distinct apostleship to the Gentiles apart from the nation of Israel. That becomes apparently and clearly evident as you read through the law, the Psalms, and the prophets, the gospel accounts, the opening chapters of the book of Acts. Everything is going seemingly according to plan, at least according to program, and then something changes. And when you truly believe in the immutability of God's promises and the specificity of his prophecies and the determination of his timelines, then it becomes evidently, plainly, clear that some change has taken place. Israel has fallen, and instead of a falling away of Israel, and the 70th week of Daniel coming, instead of those prophetic details taking place, God did something unsearchable, and God did something unexpected, but God did something legal and tremendous in view of the redemptive work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to take a look at. I said Romans chapter 5, but I'm going to have you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because... 2 Corinthians chapter 5 gives a a broader view of Romans chapter 5. And we're going to work our way back. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul writes this in verse 18. And again, stick with me through this episode and we'll see the connection to our rapture, the, the rapture, our resurrection. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Notice the past tense, he hath, in view of faith in Jesus Christ, in his death, burial, and resurrection, we are reconciled unto, uh, 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 unto God by Jesus Christ. And he hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, a, a, a ministry to go out and minister something, and that is reconciliation. Now what's the details of this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ, past tense, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So here you have a sandwich. He says he had given to us the ministry of reconciliation in verse 18. At the end of verse 19, he says, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Well, what is that? Well, God was in Christ doing something unto the world at large. This is not individual reconciliation. This is not the 
same kind of reconciliation spoken about in verse 18 in regards to who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. This is the issue of something that he's done to the entire world that does not automatically result in individual justification, but rather paves the way for individual justification. In contrast to what his judgment was going to be at the time he instituted this reconciling of the world, which was not reconciling of the world, but judging the world in righteousness and imputing their trespasses unto them and having his long prophesied day of wrath. In other words, the issue here of God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, is the issue of legally, by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, God being able to change how he's going to go about dealing with the world, at least for a period of time. And during that period of time, in view of reconciling the world unto himself, not that the world's reconciled unto him, but he's reconciled the world unto himself. He's not imputing their trespasses unto them. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, come with me to Romans chapter 5. And let's look at this just a little bit here. Before we go up to verse 9, 10, look at verse 12 of Romans 5. What does it mean to impute the trespasses of the world and not to do that? Look at verse 13 of Romans 5. For until the law... Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Sin is not imputed when there is no law. What then is imputed when there is law? Sin. And when there's law and commandments, guess what sin is called in view of not keeping the law and commandments? Trespasses. Trespasses. Now, what does this look like? There's a whole reason for this in the argument. I'm just, I'm just pulling it out. But what does this look like? Well, come back to Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. And let me show you what it means to impute trespasses. Here, not against the world. Here, we learn from the Apostle Paul in Acts that during this time, the Gentiles who suffered all the nations to walk in their own ways, he winked at it. But then, there was coming a time when he was going to no longer just wink at it, but he was going to have his day of wrath. Not only against his own people, but against all the world. Look at Leviticus chapter 26. This is the blessings and the curses of the law. The curses of the law contract was God's means of imputing their trespasses against them. The blessing of court, or of course, wasn't. It was the, the issue of imputing right, righteousness unto them. It was the issue of, um, not righteousness, but I- imputing blessing and reward for their righteousness. 
But here's the curses. And we'll see how what God does when he imputes their trespasses against them. Verse 14, For if ye will not hearken unto me, and will do will not do all these commandments, if ye shall despise my statutes, and if your soul, soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even apport over you terror, consumption, and the burning of goo, that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. Now look at verse 18. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. He describes that in verse 19 and 20. If they continue on, look at verse 21. And if ye walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. That's what it looks like in verse 22. And then he says this in verse 23, And if you will not be reformed by me, by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. That's what verse 25 and 26 look like. And then he says in verse 27, And if you will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I... Even I will chastise you seven times for your sins. I, even I. That's what he's going to do when he returns during his day of wrath. It's the Lord's day, not Sunday, as Revelation chapter 1 talks about. It's, it's not Sunday. It's the Lord's day, the Lord's day of wrath. When he chastises seven times, times for your sins that that cup of indignation and the fierceness and uh, of his wrath there in the book of the revelation is the the cup of the punishment and the imputation of the the world's trespasses against them over and over and over and he's going to do it during his day of wrath it's the day of vengeance vengeance is mine saith the lord that's what's going to happen and that's what the prophets speak about. The, what the prophets speak about, however, you go over to the prophets and you go in some of these sections in Isaiah and Jeremiah and he talks about how he's going to judge them, the burden of, of this nation, the burden of this nation. He's coming against all, the whole world. If you look at Daniel chapter 2, get there in my own Bible, Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar's vision, you see this a little bit here, the interpretation thereof, he says in verse 44, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. Who are the kingdoms? The kingdoms of the Gentiles, the times of the Gentiles, and it shall stand forever. The valley of Jehoshaphat, the Armageddon, when he calls the fowls of the air uh, to come and feast upon the, the carcasses of the kings of the earth as he gathers them together and as, as, and to destroy them as in the day of battle, Zechariah says. 
It's the imputation of their sins against them on this earth judgment. That's what's taking place. That's what's coming upon them. That's the imputation of their trespasses. It's, it's that law speaks to Israel, but that every mouth may be stopped in the whole world. Look at that. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. If Israel can't do the law, and they trespass against the uh, against God, and they sin against that law, guess what the Gentiles can't do? They can't keep that law. And they had, they had, they had time to do that. When they absorbed, when they ruled and reigned over Israel, and that law, in one sense, was in their midst, that light, that nation was in their midst, they had the oracles of God before them. They had an, an advantage then, and what happened? There's none that seeketh after God, no, not one. There's none that understandeth, no, not one. They've all gone out of the way, Jew and Gentile. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And if he would have continued on with what he prophesied about, he would have poured out that cup without mixture. That cup of the nation's trespasses and God's imputation of those trespasses against them. It's God's dispensing of his wrath is what that imputation of trespasses is. It's the issue of the punishment, but to the point where it's seven times, times, seven times, times, seven times, times, seven times. There in Leviticus chapter 26, and that's what he's bringing upon the world. But instead of that, we learn in Romans chapter 2, in verse 4, not to do this. Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God is being good to the world today, gracious to the world. He's forbearing the world. He's long-suffering the world. We read that in Romans 9. Verse 22, would if God willing show his wrath? He was. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. It's revealed. The question is, is he imputing it? Well, look at verse 22. What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, that wrath that he brought against Egypt, when he imputed their trespasses against them, endured with much long suffering? What if he was willing to show, but now he's enduring? The vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. That's what he's doing today. He's enduring with much long suffering the vessels of wrath, fear the destruction. He's reconciled the world unto himself. And for those that are reconciled unto God, they've been given and committed the word of reconciliation to come along and say, hey, God has reconciled the world unto himself. Be reconciled to him. Now look at how this plays out in regards to Romans chapter 5. Look at Romans 5. And look at verse 9. In view of God commending his love toward us in it, while we are sinners, Christ died for us. He says in verse 9, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. What is the, what is the scenario of the dispensation of the grace of God in which we live? As revealed to the Apostle Paul, 
He's reconciled the world to himself. How? God was in Christ. He commended his love toward us, and yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than. And this necessarily can't be said of the remnant the same exact way as us. The remnant, the little flock out in the future, they're going to have to go through the day of wrath, but they do have provision. They do have provision. We'll take a look at that in a moment, but not the same kind of provision we have. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Now look at verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, he's reconciled the world unto himself, much more being reconciled. Now, having been reconciled to God, we shall be saved by his life. Saved from what? Verse 9, from wrath. That's a tremendous uh, uh, thing. He's setting forth the benefits of, of justification unto eternal life in general, but he's specifying the implications and ramifications of that for those that are justified during this time in which God reconciled the world unto himself is those that are reconciled to God now when he's reconciled the world unto himself, now when he's not imputing the, the, the trespasses of the world against the world, that those that are saved, those that are justified during this time in his much long-suffering, his goodness and forbearance, were saved from that wrath. That's not true of every person. If, if someone doesn't believe today and the rapture was to happen and he's going to have his day of wrath, they're going to experience the wrath of God. That's what Paul tells them. That you treasure up wrath against the day of wrath in Romans chapter 2. But for those that believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ during this dispensation of the grace of God, because of the judgment made in connection with the world to, to reconcile the world to himself, not imputed their trespasses against them, and you've benefited during this time, he is not going to impute your trespasses against you. In other words, he has made provision through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and through him to be saved from wrath, from that day of wrath. That's an unsearchable judgment of God. If you go over to Romans chapter 11 when he's talking about this mystery, this being a part of it, and he says in verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened in Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Look at verse 26. And he goes right to Israel. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. When the deliverer comes out of Zion, he stood, his enemies are made his footstool, and he's going to deliver Israel through that day. And out of that day. That's what he's going to do with Israel. But they go through it. They're not saved from it. They go through it. Now, in it, you could, while they're in it, you could say that they're saved from it. But not, not like he's saying, us, we're not going through that day of wrath 
and we're going to be saved from it. That's not how it is. I want to look at that verse. I should have it off the top of my head, but I don't, so I'm looking it up on the computer right now. It's Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. He says, Alas, for that day is great. That's the day of wrath, the day of the Lord, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. But he, Jacob, Israel, shall be the believing Israel, but he shall be saved out of it, not from it. Out of it, through it, and out of it into that kingdom. He that endures to the end shall be saved for the faithful believers at that time. Now, why is this so important? Because we are uniquely, we, we not only have an identity in Christ, but we also, in the eyes of God and in view of the judgments of God, have a dispensational identity. We have a historical identity in view of God's judgment of not imputing the trespasses of the world against the world. And as such, and in such, who have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the redemptive work through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have benefits that correspond with our historical identity in this dispensation of the grace of God, in that we're not appointed to wrath. We're delivered from the wrath to come. Let's quickly look at those verses that are different than what Jeremiah 30 verse 7 says that he, Jacob, the seed of Israel, the little flock will be saved out of it. Well, look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven. They will look up, but they're looking up for him to come down. And that's not the anticipation for us today. Just as Paul saw him descend from heaven, but not touch this earth, and looked up to him, so too will we look up in regards to his appearing in regards to our rapture. He says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That expression, the wrath to come, is the same thing that the same expression used by John the Baptist as recorded in Matthew chapter 3. Let me just turn there real quick and read it to you. When he, when he says here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Not, not delivered from the wrath to come, but flee from the wrath to come so that they could be saved out of it. We are delivered from the wrath to come. What, what is that wrath? The day of wrath. The day of wrath. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation, as we saw in Romans 5, saved from wrath. Saved by his life. Saved from wrath through him but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So, in this episode, in this multi-episode series on the rapture, our resurrection, we saw and we understand now that in regards to the unsearchable judgment God made concerning this world in which we live, this present evil world, yet it's reconciled in God. He's not imputing their trespasses unto them. It's such an important issue to understand. And therefore, he's not uh, bringing the punishment and the chastisement of their sins against the world as he was doing under the law and was foretold in prophecy that he would do to the whole entire world. It's revealed, but he's not imputing it. He's not bringing it about. Rather, he's forbearing. He's long-suffering. He's good. He's got a dispensation of the grace of God. And for those that individually benefit by believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, have promise in regards to their historical justification unto eternal life in the redemptive work of Christ by being saved from the wrath to come. Being delivered from the wrath to come. And we're not appointed to it. Because the way he began this dispensation of grace is how he's going to conclude it. By an appearing. And we don't wait for him from heaven to come to this earth. As we'll see. We wait for, we wait for him to heaven to go up to him. Beloved, that's a big difference. And there's many reasons for that that we'll yet consider. But I want to keep laying these things down one by one so that you would understand that in view of God's unsearchable judgment to reconcile the world unto himself, the beneficiaries of that, particularly and especially those that believe, have a divine appointment not to wrath as Israel does and the world does yet to come but an appointment of salvation from the wrath to come and it is in view of that that necessitates a mystery resurrection a resurrection prior to before preceding the day of wrath and it is that both the similarities to future resurrections and the differences of future resurrections that we'll begin to look at in episodes to come. Until next time, look up. <laughs>